Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. Welcome back to another episode of Companion Pass. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and today my guest is somebody that I know all of you are going to be very, very excited about. Anytime I've ever put feelers out there on social media or anything, like, who do you guys want to hear from? Even when it was just a written series, this name popped up over and over again. Today, we have none other than Morgan Wright. She is the wife of five-time NFR qualifier, Rusty Wright, part of the legendary Wright family. And I am just so excited to get to talk with her today. Hi, Morgan. Hey, how are you, Lindsay? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. And what I said was true. You're like the guest everybody wants to hear from. (laughs) I hear your name all the time. And I'm just so excited that you agreed to be here with us today. I'm so excited, too. (laughs) I honestly didn't think I was that interesting. So I'm really flattered that everyone thought they wanted to hear about me. (laughs) Of course they do. I, along with everybody else in the world, gets to follow along with your family on social media and you have such a huge presence there and like I see the people all coming to your posts and they're commenting engaging and I I just think you have this like real sincerity or honesty that comes across in social media that people really connect with not to mention you're beautiful you have a great sense of style so you have it all you are beyond interesting oh well thank you (laughs) so I feel like there are so many places we could start here, but I was wondering if you could tell us like a little bit about you, like how you grew up. Did you grow up as part of like, were you involved in rodeo yourself? When you met Rusty, was it like, was that your induction into the rodeo world or? Okay. So I actually was born in Milford, like as well as Rusty. I lived there until I was in about third grade. And then my parents got divorced. So I moved to Minersville, which is only like 13 miles from Milford. And I remember knowing Rusty forever. Like his mom and my mom were friends in high school. So I've always known Rusty. Actually, he was always so little. Like, and so I thought he was so much younger than me. And he actually makes fun of me all the time. He's like, you were too good for me. You thought you were too good for me. And I was like, no, I just thought you were so little. And I didn't, I didn't grow up around rodeo. My family, they hunt and they camp and they do all that kind of stuff. I had a cousin that did like horse work and stuff. So that's a little bit the only like horse stuff related I did. And yeah, so Rusty, starting to date Rusty was really my introduction into rodeo. When did you guys start to date? He was a junior in high school and I was actually graduated. So I'm two years in school ahead of him, but I'm only a year older than him. Okay. So he was 17 and I was 18. So you guys like true, not even like 
teenage sweetheart then. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. Like, I knew Cody wrote in the NFR, and, like, that was so cool. And then I remember hearing that Rusty had won the high school finals. But I don't think I knew how big rodeo was until I got involved with Rusty. Like, I didn't realize that all of these rodeos happened. And there are so many people that loved rodeo. Like, I don't know. It's awesome to be a part of, honestly. I think that's true for a lot of people that are kind of outside of our community is that they don't realize like how massive, how popular it is. And I think, tell me if you agree with this, but I think rodeo fans, people that follow and love rodeo, they're just like, I don't even know the word for it. Like they, when you love rodeo, you like really love it and are really oh, like yeah. a, a part of the community. And I think that I don't have a personal experience, of course, with any other professional sports, but I feel like the rodeo cowboys and cowgirls really embrace the fans, like bring them into part of the community. It ends up feeling like they're part of the rodeo family, right? Right. I remember. So my grandma and grandpa are like huge Wright fans. They've loved them forever. For Christmas, my grandma would always get us a Cody Wright sweater from the <laughs> NFR. Like, so it's funny because half the time I don't even know where Rusty is and my grandpa will just be like hey do you know where they're at and then he'll tell me because <laughs> he checks the day issues he knows everything <laughs> oh my gosh I love that so much there's I, and I've talked about this a few times on the podcast that it sounds really funny to anybody who has a spouse that's outside of this world to kind of not know where they are in the world but it's so common and I thought for a long time I was the only one and I felt really comforted knowing that there was a lot of other rodeo wives out there that can't keep track of their husbands because sometimes they're in a few places like in one day and when you've got kids and a life at home like you can't keep up with a schedule like that and my dad used to always I don't even know how he did it but he would have like a whole list of Luke's schedule and so sometimes I wouldn't want to call Luke and be like listen I didn't pay attention when you were telling me where you were going this (laughs) (laughs) so can you tell me again so I like covertly call my dad and be like, dad, where is Luke tonight? So that I can like pretend as if I knew. Yes. Yes. I always have people ask me, they're like, oh, where are they at tonight? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know like right before the rodeo starts and then that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Rusty was just kind of always a part of your life. And so it, obviously it makes perfect sense that you guys kind of got together and what was life like? Like, what was the early days of Morgan and Rusty like? So I'd just go with them to rodeos. Actually, the first, I'm trying to remember that the first, like, rodeo I went to with him was actually the Gillette Buck and Ball. And it's like 13 hours from us. And I did not realize that they traveled like they did. We went in the camper. It was with Cody and Cherie and I think Lonnie and Jake. And I knew all of them, but I wasn't like, I hadn't been around them a whole lot. And so I was like, wow, this is a long drive. (laughs) Like I was not accustomed to going. And then I think after that, I just went everywhere. I remember I went to Calgary with him for the first time. And that's the first time I'd ever been out of the country. That's when Stetson won the novice in the bull riding. And then Rusty won the novice in the bronc riding. So that was so cool to like watch and. And then I went to Nationals with Rusty, and I just followed him everywhere, pretty much. I was working at Dairy Queen, and so whenever they'd give me time off, I was just going with Rusty. Yeah. So was he still, if you said he went to Nationals, so he was still in high school at that point? Yes. 
Wow. So you were you were really with him there from the very beginning. What was your relationship like? I mean, that's a lot to navigate. You're both so young. You talked a little bit about just how much they travel and you kind of having that realization like, wow, this is what their life's like. I assume at that point, because he's clearly so talented and having so much success that he kind of already knows that's the like the career path he's going to take. There's probably very little question whether or not he's going to be like a professional saddle bronc rider right. at that point. Were things always kind of, was it like smooth sailing or did you ever have times where you're like, wow, this is going to be like, this is what would be what my whole life is like or? I don't think it really hit me like the severity, not, not the severity, but like how hard it is until I had my first bit, until I had rookie because I had rookie in March of 2016 and then that's like right when he was hitting like Houston, all those rodeos, San Antonio. I should send him in February, but like, and so I had rookie and Rusty had to leave the next day. And that's, I think that's when it all hit me. I was like, holy crap. I like, he's gone. Like yeah. I was having to. How old were you? I was 21. And you guys had been together a couple years by then. You like explaining that. I can't think of more of a wake-up call than, maybe that's not the right word. I don't know what the word is, but that when it really does hit you that you've had this baby and it's the next day and that's, wow, that is what we're in for now. Like that is what our life looks like. It kind of reality comes crashing in pretty quick. I mean, the reality of the lifestyle we live, right? Right. Because like the year before, I could still go with them everywhere. Like it's fun when you can go with them and you can do all the fun things. But when you have kidding, you can't just get up and go with them. That's when I think that's when the reality hit me that, wow, this is, he's gone a lot and I'm home a lot by myself. Luckily, we are by a lot of family. Yeah. Oh, that people would always, a question that I would get just like all the time was like, how do you do it? And there's so many ways to answer that question. It, it all boils down to having a great support system. And for me, we always lived really closely to Luke's parents. And I don't know what I would have done without them, particularly in those days of having like little tiny babies or more than one and, and how you would juggle that. My heart goes out to those people that live far away from family and are trying to do this because I don't know. I would probably be insane. <laughs> I think I would too, literally, because I remember with Rookie, I would just be like, okay, I'm, I think I'm just going to go out to Sheree's house because I'm going to go crazy sitting here by myself. Or I'd go to my mom's house or my grandma. Like, I would just go everywhere. I'm like, okay, I can't. I can't sit here anymore. Well, that's a huge part of it too that I think you just brought up that's important is that it's not just the like needing actual physical help. Like, oh, it's a really demanding for one person to be taking care of an infant all the time. But just like the loneliness of not only being without the person that you love, it's just feeling kind of alone in those moments and wanting to share them. That was such a big struggle for me. Was it for you? Oh, yes. I remember Rusty had actually surprised me by coming home early and I had no idea he was coming. And I remember somebody knocked on the door and I wasn't thinking it was him. So I just like went and opened it and was like, Neh. and then I noticed it was him. And then instant tears, I just bawled like a baby because I was just so having a baby you're emotional anyway <laughs> oh for sure those like surprise trips home I don't think anything beats that like I still no. get that feeling in my stomach you describing that like that when you're missing them and those times that they just happen to show up in like at the right moment there's no better feeling like somebody could pull up 
with a surprise car and it wouldn't feel <laughs> as good as it right. does in those right. moments. Just like when you need them so much. And I think sometimes, for me at least, it was like you don't even know how badly you need them just to be there, like to physically be there until they show up. And like you said, then it's like this sudden rush of emotion that maybe you're, it's just like being strong for so long that you feel like you can finally kind of, I don't know, like rely on somebody else. Yeah. Like, well, with Rusty, like he's my comfort. And so like, I don't feel like I can really break down around anybody else. So like when he shows up, I'm like, okay, here's the tears. Sorry, yeah. I'm just unleashing this on you. But <laughs> uh, What a welcome home. He's, so he's rodeoing really hard, finding a lot of success, of course. Then was it a while before you guys had your second child? So Memphis was born in 2018, March 2018. Okay. And were you guys married at this point? No, we weren't married, but we did get married like two weeks after she was born. Okay. So we got engaged the August before she was born. I found out I was pregnant. And then so I, it was supposed to be my birthday, like in a few days. And I showed up to Sharia's because Rusty had like went to St. George for something. I don't even remember why he had to go there. And he's like, I need you to come out to my mom's house. And I was like, okay, whatever, like going out there. He's like, oh, I got you a present. And I was like, okay, like, and it's a bench box. So I wasn't like, and I open it and pull out a blanket. And then there's a ring box at the bottom of it. And I was like, because I never thought it was going to happen. At this point, we had been dating for like five years. And I was like, okay, we're just going to be dating forever. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so I never thought that like we would actually get engaged. So I was pretty shocked. And then was it something that you guys talked about leading up to it? Or was it really a huge surprise? Like we knew that we were going to get married. And we had talked about it sometimes. But like we were just like, you know what? We don't want to get married just because we've had babies. Well, we knew we were going to get married, but we didn't want to rush into it. Yeah. Not rush into it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, No, I know what you mean. You want it to be a decision based solely on wanting to spend your uh, life like with this us, person. Yes. And not just because there's like maybe those pressures from family or society or whatever that they think you yes. should. I mean, you guys are together for a long time. You like have a family mm-hmm. together. But I totally get that wanting that decision to be about like just your relationship. Yes, exactly. That's it. And so I was like, okay, well, we're just going to date forever. It's fine. (laughs) But then he did it. And then we didn't ever. So with rodeo, I had tried to like find dates. So it wasn't just Rusty that was pro rodeoing. It was Gatler was still in high school. I think Stetson was still in high school. So like there was all these high school rodeos. No, Stetson wasn't still in high school, I don't think. But anyway, there's high school rodeos they had to go around like high school sports. Lily was still doing like tumbling and my family's big into like my mom's big into like bow hunting, bow shoots, stuff like that. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even want to plan a wedding. So we just went and got married in the courthouse. We had everything we needed. And so, and Rusty had wanted to get married in the courthouse forever. He's like, let's just go to the courthouse. And I was like, no, I want a wedding. And then I finally was like trying to plan it. I like, yeah, no, let's just go get married in the courthouse. But it's so true that trying to plan a wedding, well, first of all, is just like difficult and stressful and overwhelming, I think, for anybody anywhere. Trying to plan a wedding around a rodeo schedule is like impossible. That's why I always joke like I think that 80% of rodeo marriages happen like in October and November because <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, <laughs> that's what, actually what we were planning. <laughs> 
that's the only time that like collectively you have off because even if your husband will like take a weekend off for rodeo like you want all your friends to be able to come and they're all at rodeos and you there's no way you're gonna get like a hundred rodeo cowboys (laughs) to collectively yeah take a weekend off and not to mention like you said with his family and how that i can't even imagine what that was like so what year did you guys get married in 2018 in 18 okay and now you guys have four beautiful children. You guys have the cutest kids. They're they, it's like they look like little dolls. They don't even look real. They're so cute. They're little curls and their happy faces. And they're just like they're precious. And rookie, your boy is your oldest. Do you see him following in dad's footsteps? So he actually keeps saying that he wants to ride bulls like Uncle Stetson. And I'm oh, like, no. uh, I don't know. I don't know if we should do that. But if he wants to, he's got the best teacher ever. So whatever. I'll support him whenever he wants to do. But I don't it scares me. Oh, my gosh. I don't blame you. Bull riding is the one thing that I always am like, nope, sorry, it's off limits. And they'll be like, oh, mom. I'm like, I don't even mind being mean, mom. This is like, this is the hill I will die on. <laughs> it scares me too much. We've touched on it a couple times, but you are obviously part of the Wright family, which is just in, in the rodeo world, particularly over the last few years. And and it goes well beyond that. We talked to your mother-in-law, Cherie, and, and about Cody's career and stuff. But it, it's just kind of, they kind of are rodeo. They're so visible. Every single one of those boys is unbelievably talented. There is such a presence and they're so visible. And you're kind of like Rodeo's first family now, right? Do you ever feel, is there ever like an intensity or pressure that comes along with that spotlight then is kind of shown, is shining on you? Do you ever feel that pressure? So I feel like sometimes when people are like being rude on social media about the boys, any one of them, it doesn't matter. And like, it really makes me mad because I want to tell them what I think and I want to be so mean back to them. But I'm like, that looks so bad. And I so I just don't. But like people are so rude about them when they don't even know them. And so th- I think that's the hardest part for me is the pressure of when to not say something. <laughs> but there we're talking about like hundreds of thousands of followers collectively. That That's really big. They have some very big sponsors. And so I think that they're really projected on a grand stage. Is there like a pressure that you feel like this weight of not letting down the rodeo community too like obviously it's hard not to say something back but like is there a pressure that you don't want to say the wrong thing because of how it will reflect on rodeo as a whole yes exactly like I don't want to say something because I feel like if it's one of us it's literally all of us like one of us is like making us look bad it's like reflects on the whole family and I never want to do that because Really, like, I married into probably the best family I could have ever married into. They're all very hard workers. They're respectful. Like, Cody and, well, all of them, but Cody and Tree's boys, obviously, because those are the ones I'm around all the time. Literally, they're always, like, calling each other because if they need help, like, they're just great people. And so it makes me so mad when people are so rude about them. And so there is pressure there. Yeah. And the like instinct to want to protect the people you love. Yes. (laughs) And just in the little that I've gotten to know some of the people in your family or been around them is I can say that this image that is projected of you all 
isn't just an image that's like public persona. It seems to be so genuine and so sincere. And in a lot of ways, I would say that the right family kind of encompasses a lot of the same values that I'm so proud of that are a part of the rodeo community as a whole. The way that they truly support each other and go out there. We've all seen those pictures of them like cheering on their brothers from behind the bucking shoot. Because aside from Stetson, they're all competing in the same event, you know, (laughs) and and how genuinely like happy and encouraging they are to one another is such an amazing thing. Yeah, that's I've seen it firsthand like I remember we last year Rusty broke his leg and so we were out the whole season and this wasn't even pro rodeo. Dattler was riding in the high school finals and we're sitting at one of the um, amateur rodeos in Beaver on the 24th of July and Rusty's sitting there listening to his mom tell him how like if Dattler won the, the finals high school national finals and Rusty just is pumped like he's screams into the phone I actually got on video it's one of my favorite videos <laughs> I remember when Rusty he hadn't made the NFR the year before and Stetson was at one of the rodeos at the end and he ended up making the finals in the bronc riding and he was just so pumped for them like he Rusty is like so excited for them to win I think even more than himself honestly and so it's crazy I mean, that's a really cool family to be a part of, to have that dynamic, especially when you are, you need that support. So with like your sister-in-law and your mother-in-law, do you guys kind of act as a support system for one another? Do you all live, I think you all kind of live near, near each other, right? Yes. So yeah, my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law are awesome. So I feel like if I'm ever struggling with something with anything, really, Shri is always there. So it helps us with literally everything. And Cheyenne's a really great support system. Well, she's on bed rest right now, but usually like if she's not stuck on bed rest, she's always helping me with my kids, like anything. It's they're all really great help and like such a support system for me. I would think too, just having people nearby that are know so well what you're going through because they either are or have experienced the exact same things as they they really are walking in your shoes or as close to yours as they can get. And just knowing that you have people that get it to lean on when things are tough that you go that you can go to and talk to, I would think would be a huge something that's really great. It definitely is because like I feel like what Sheree, she knows all the highs and all the lows of her. So like, I'm like, how do we get through this? And she, they're always there. She'll offer their support, offer their advice, like everything. And it's a blessing because not a lot of people don't have people to look up to and to get advice from. Like Rusty, if he's struggling, it's always call Cody. And so that's just there. I'm just so blessed that we have them. Is there any advice that you've gotten either from one of them or anybody else that really helped you down this road? I don't know if there's like any certain piece of advice that I've gotten. You know, really, I've watched Sharif support Cody through everything. And so not really just a piece of advice, but just like a, I learned how to lead by example type of thing, I guess I should say. Like she is I remember when I first started dating Rusty, I was like, how in the world? Like, And it's funny because we've been watching all these home videos of Rusty and his little brothers when they were younger. And I was like, how in the heck did she do it with 
four boys and by herself for so long like because they did live up in idaho for a while i'm like wow any rodeo wife to look up to it's shuri like hands down hands down because she does everything for those boys Oh, oh my gosh, everything. And I, I mean, I even told her when she came on that she's been like an inspiration for me since from the very beginning before I even really knew her. She's got a lot of grace and she makes a really hard job look really easy. So I would think that aside from any spoken advice that sometimes it's a little bit more powerful just seeing somebody like she's your living example of kind of of how to do it. That's great. I'm, I love that you had that. Okay, switching gears a little bit here. What is your personal style, philosophy, or motto? Like, how do you approach fashion? Comfortable. (laughs) Literally, if I'm not comfortable in what I'm wearing, then I'm so uncomfortable, if that makes sense. Like, I'm usually like a pair of Converse type of girl, and I Wranglers are my favorite, so I'll always have a pair of Wranglers on. And I just want to be comfortable because... Well, with kids, heels are just like a no. I can't do heels. And so if I'm comfortable in a good pair of shoes and a twain t-shirt or like a graphic t-shirt, that's literally what I'll do. (laughs) I have to say that's one of the things that I love about your personal style is that it comes across as very like you. It doesn't look like you're ever trying to follow trends or dress like anybody else. I love that you're always rocking a pair of sneakers. I think it's so cute. It seems like you always embrace the occasion, but stay really true to yourself. And I love that. I remember a couple years ago, I just wore a hoodie to the finals one night. I was like, I'm not feeling it. Just gonna wear a hoodie. (laughs) You did in that moment, you did what every one of us that's been there has wanted to do at least once or twice. When you've got the kids and you're round eight and you're like tapped out, it's all you have for the week. And you're like, I want to wear my sweats tonight so bad. You did it for all of us. Yes. I remember (laughs) in Austin one year, I didn't want to get dressed and I had my Crocs on and I just went into the rodeo (laughs) with my Crocs on. I was like, I don't even care. I'm sorry that I'm not. Sometimes I'm really not fashion inspo, but I'm just like, you know what? I just want to be comfortable. (laughs) I think that's inspiration in itself, though, is that you're just being yourself. And like I said, just staying true to who you are. I think that's really awesome. Is that something, is it something that's fun for you? Like, do you get excited about, obviously you have your moments and comfort is important, but do you get excited about like going out to Vegas, having a chance to get dressed up? Yes, I do. I do get excited and I'm not very good at planning outfits. So I just like, will get a bunch of stuff, random items. And then like the day of, that's when I plan my outfit. (laughs) I think if I stress about it too much, I put too much pressure on myself, but I'm like, you know what? I'm there to, I want to look cute and I want people to think I look cute, but I'm also there to support my husband, his brothers. So it's a happy medium. Like I want to look super cute, but sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I don't want, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Does that same pressure we were talking about earlier, does that ever like play on your mind a little bit that you do have like a large following on social media? You're going to be seen like going out to Vegas, particularly where that's just like rodeo's biggest stage and, and kind of a place where all the people watch to see what you're wearing does in those moments do you just keep that perspective you just mentioned like i i I know why i'm here and that's secondary to this or do you ever feel that pressure to like have the cute outfit because you know everybody's waiting to see what you're gonna wear 
Yeah. So actually in 2021, Rusty didn't end up making the finals. And I remember all these people on social media are like, oh man, like we really wanted to see your outfits at the finals. And so I was like, like, that's exciting. And then I remember like the back number ceremony, like everyone's cute outfits that I've seen on social media. And I was sitting at home and I was like, oh man, like I had the fear of missing out. And I was like, you know what? It would be really cool to be there. Some things are more important. So we were home, but I was living through everybody else's posts. But I loved watching everybody else's outfits and I loved sharing them. But sometimes it does like people are like, oh, man, I wish we could have seen your outfits. So I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sometimes it yeah. just doesn't happen. I don't... Right. We would have loved to have been there, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> You bringing that up. So I know that just from following your family's journey, your family's had kind of a tough couple years. I know Rusty's kind of been battling some recurring injuries. And I don't know really specifically what happened. Maybe you could tell us. So, okay. So Rusty ended up breaking his leg in 2016. So this, sorry, this is just going to like bring up to why he's got the yeah. latest surgery. So yeah. he broke his leg in 2016. And he ended up having to have two surgeries on it. The first one, it just didn't work very well. So the surgeon wanted to do another one. And so he had to get a rod in and rod out twice in that leg. And then he's broke his arm and stuff a few years, but like a year between that. In 17, actually, he broke his arm and he didn't make the finals that year. And then Ryder ended up winning the rod that year. So it was super awesome. And then this last year, he ended up breaking his right leg so last April in Logan Del Nevada he broke his right leg and that was like oh my gosh because it was he was doing so well the first of the season he had won at the shootout in Houston he was doing really well and his momentum was super good and then he ended up breaking his leg well so he rehabbed his leg all year last year and then this year he's just been in so much pain with his left leg that he I think that the break from his right leg put a lot of strain on his left leg. And so he actually just ended up getting his rod out of his left leg because it was in so much pain. And he's like, it's not fun to ride in pain. And I was like, you know what? I wouldn't want to ride in pain either. So get it out and be healthy as you can. Yeah. I mean, I saw and that last surgery you're talking about to get the rod removed. That was really recently, right? Yes. That was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I know that I, me wanting to support your family and I see these things pop up and my heart just goes out to you because Luke, the last few years of his career, it was just one injury after another. And, and you get to a point where it's like, and it was never the same one. And it was every one of them is like, we would see these doctors and they're like, oh, this is a fluke thing. And I'm like, how many fluke things can happen to one guy? They're like, you're the one in a million. Like you're the one in 100,000. I'm like, you need to stop being so special because this is getting really old. Right. But I think as a wife in those moments, it's so hard because you see that like, it's not just, you get the call that they've hurt themselves. And, you know, immediately you want to know that they're okay, of course, but then you have the thoughts of like, okay, this is, this is their job and this is how they support our family. And so they're not going to be working and there's just so many layers to it. And then for me, always one of the biggest ones was just 
the way your heart kind of breaks for them and knowing that they feel like, especially when it's repetitive injuries, is just feeling like they just pulled themselves back up again. You see what, as their wife, you see the day in and day out of what they're facing in rehab, how hard they're working for it, how badly they want it just to be back out there in the arena doing what they love. And then just for that other thing to come back, it's like they just break the surface and another wave crashes down on them. And it's it gets so hard, even with with Rusty, it seems like, and I know with Luke that are just so strong and so tough and work so hard at it, just to see them constantly getting knocked back down is really hard for a wife to constantly be seeing. Right. It's so hard because I don't know how to, because you don't know how to help them. You're like, mentally, physically, you can help them. You can help rehab their leg. You can help take care of them. But the mental part of it is, I don't know how to help. I don't know how to help you mentally. And that's the hardest part for me, I think, because rodeo is a hundred percent mental. Like if their mind isn't there, then it's not going well. And so that part for me was really hard is we talk, me and Rusty, we would communicate about it all, but I never knew what to say to make him feel better. And so that's what was hard for me. Yeah, it was like how you encourage them to get back out there. But at that, finding a balance for me between encouraging him and helping him in his rehab journeys or like, like you said, the mental aspect of it, like, okay, I know this is hard. How do we get you through this? But then also walking the line of letting him know if this is too much at this point, if you have put your body through this and you're like, I can't do it anymore. Like there's no shame in that. You've already done so much and it's so hard and you don't have anything to prove to anybody. And we would all understood if you're like, I think that's all I have. <laughs> There's no weakness in that at all. So for me, finding that, like walking that line of how do I let him know that support them in, I guess, either decision that they make is hard. The silver lining for me through Luke's injuries was always that we got to have him home more. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like last year when he broke his leg, we had not had him home in like a summer since before he was high school. And I remember I was due with my last baby in August. I was due August 16th with her. And I was so nervous because that's so busy. Yeah. And I was like, he won't be home. Like, he'll never be home. And he broke his leg. And I was like, yeah, well, now he'll be home for my baby. <laughs> and, I, and this is our final baby. I'm like 95% sure that this is our final baby. And so I was like, you know what? He'll be home. And he got to spend a lot of time with my kids, which was awesome. He took, he learned how to fly fish. And I th- think that was pretty therapeutic for him. And so we went fishing a lot. We w- got to go on a lot of trips. And like the 4th of July is literally my favorite holiday. And he was home for that. Which you never get ever. <laughs> no, no. He really wanted to go on a Disneyland trip last year. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm up for Disneyland right now, being big and pregnant. So maybe we'll try to sneak one in while he's home this time. But it was awesome. I really love having a home. But also at the same time, I think it makes it harder for him to leave when he is home for so long. I really think that's what Luke found is we had a few years of injuries and that and the stress on his body compiled with getting a taste of what it was like just to get to spend your days with your kids. The the thing that it's so easy to take for granted 
when he got to see what that was like, every time he had to leave again, I could see it like the pull was getting stronger. It was like the magnet. And he was having such a hard time ripping himself away from it because he's like, I now I see what I'm missing <laughs> in a way. And I think that helped make his final decision to kind of throw in the towel a little bit easier is that he knew what he was going to get when he stayed home. You you touched on your last baby that you just had, who Mesa, right? She's <laughs> yes. like, I'm, I just can't get over how cute chickens are. But I, I know from what you've shared that your family experienced a pretty big, and not a pretty big, a very big loss before that. And I was wondering if you could talk to us about that. Yes. So after the finals in 2020, I got super, super sick. So I was in the hospital. My kidneys were bad. And then I had COVID. And I remember after I like healed from that, the doctor told me, he's like, try not to get pregnant right now because like, we don't know what's going to, you know, well, then comes January, I find out I'm pregnant. And Malone at the time wasn't even one yet. She was about to be one, but she wasn't one. And I was like, wow, that's super close. Like, and I was stressed. I don't want to say I wasn't excited, but I remember not being like super pumped about being pregnant at the moment. I was like, wow, things are super stressful right now. I have a baby that's still like not even one. And then whatever, time goes on and I felt good at, about it. And we find out it's a boy. And we were super excited. And one day after my son's t-ball game, actually, we had went to Stetson's because at this point, Sheree and Cody were living with Stetson while their house was being built. And I remember Rusty was outside. Sheree hasn't hadn't shown up yet. And I was going to the bathroom. And I just felt a pop. So I instantly knew my water had broke. And I was only 17 weeks at the time. And so I was like, oh, no, I was freaking out. Rusty, I called Rusty and I was like, you need to get in here right now. And I, he comes in and I told him my water had just broke and Shree had just showed up and I'm like frantic. And she was like, what happened? What happened? And so I told her and then she ended up taking me to the ER because Rusty was like, he was in like stress mode at that moment. And so she took me into the ER and then I ended up being live-flighted from there to St. George because in Utah, St. George is like our closest NICU. And they're actually, what they said is they're actually one of like the highest rated NICUs in the nation. So it's pretty special that we could be that close. And so well, I got life-flighted down there and they told me that my water had broke. They give you all the things aren't in your favor, all that. Well, I know that. And so we were just going to wait it out and see how long we could go with him. Because I guess I didn't know this before, like even that your water can replenish and so i was like okay well we'll just i'll be on bed rest and we'll wait as long as we can you're hoping for the best of course yeah yes you have to make it i think they said to like 24 weeks to make it viable to save and so then at 18 weeks i had made it a week i remember i was actually going to the bathroom one day and i looked down and the umbilical cord was like hanging out and so i was went over to the hospital and they because we actually were in a it's called a jubilee home so it's just like a house they have for patients that need to stay close to the hospital and then they took me over to the hospital and the doctor ended up saying like if you were my daughter or my wife like uh, this is what i want you to know i would tell you to deliver the baby because the cord is going to dry up and he's going to pass away either way or it can act as a wick for infection. 
And if you get infection up in your uterus, you could risk not having any more babies. Like you would have to have like a hysterectomy and all that. So we made the decision to deliver him. And so we waited until the morning so my mom and Sheree could come down and be with us. And that was like during, still kind of during COVID. So they actually were super, the hospital is really accommodating and they were super nice. They let my mom and Sheree come, but they actually gave us a few more wristbands, like if we needed any more people to come. So then I ended up delivering him and he passed during the birth. He was still alive until we delivered him. And then that was in June. And so that was really hard because I never had any issues with any of my other pregnancies. And it was just like a, I remember like asking all the doctors, I'm like, why? Like, why did this happen? And they're like, we don't know. Sometimes it just happens. And I think that for me was a really, I needed a reason to why it happened. And I never got one. So it was really hard for me. I've never actually been like diagnosed as like depressed or anything like that. But I think I went into a depression. I was not the same person for a while after that happened. It was really hard. Well, I can imagine. I know I watching you open the parts that you were willing to share of yourself through social media and stuff as you guys and your family was experiencing this was just so raw and honest, which I really appreciated hearing from you and you being willing to share that because I know that I would see the other people who had experienced things that you were touching through opening up or even just the way that you spoke about your grief was really powerful and really honest. And like you said, you wanting answers. And I think I can remember you once saying you felt kind of guilty because, you know, this is your body and, and wondering why it wouldn't do that. And I think that that's our natural inclination is to want to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. There's not a, a reason for that these things just happen. And I know that you, through sharing one of the most difficult things I'm sure any mother could go through, really touched and helped a lot of people. So that's, you know, that's a really valuable thing that you gave to others through your grief. Yes. So I actually still get messages often, like, because you don't understand how often this happens until it happens to you. And so I still get messages super often of people telling me that they had a similar experience and like, how did I get through it? And it breaks my heart for those people because that's not anything I want somebody to go through. But then I just, I try to offer my best advice and how I feel like I got through it. Even though sometimes I feel like, wow, I didn't really get through it. I just survived through it. But it's not anything I would wish upon somebody. But if what I went through can help, like if I can help other people, then that it, like it's not, I'm trying to. It gives your pain a little purpose, right? Yes. It feels like. It's comforting for me that people can think that I can help them. And I will, like. If anyone, like, needs to talk to me, I will talk to them. Like, I'll tell them everything that I went through, things that helped me, you know. Because talking about it is what really helped me. And some people don't like to talk about it, and that's fine. But for me, I like to talk about it. So if people like to talk about their, what happened with them, like, I'm all ears. I will listen, and I will talk to them. But if I can help people, then it 
makes it better for me. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of grief is finding the way in which helps you heal because it's so different and individual for all of us when we experiencing that and kind of just finding what you need and being willing to give yourself that and you now having done that and being like paying it forward I think is that's a huge thing is knowing that it helped you to be able to talk to that so being that shoulder for others to lean on when they maybe feel alone is really powerful Yeah, because I remember when I lost my baby, there was a lot of women I knew that had lost theirs before, and they were super nice, and they had reached out to me. And I I will never take that for granted. So if I can be that for somebody, then it it makes it a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I know that was a lot. Thank you for opening up about that with us. Of course. Now, maybe to be able to end it on a little bit of a lighter note, I was wondering if you had any favorite rodeo memories or moments, if there is like something that stands out in your mind. Okay, so this is probably my favorite one is Rusty winning Calgary. I don't know why, but that's like one of my very favorite memories because he had been in like the top four for Calgary a few times. And I'm biased. I was like, oh, he should have won, you know? (laughs) And then finally, to just get that, I remember it was such, I know for him, he was like, I finally did it. And then for me, I was just like crying in tears. I was just so excited. But that was one, because I love Calgary. So that was one of my very favorite memories. And... Well, and how special that you got to be there with him. Like, it's it's, it's always the one that got away or he's always this close. And then for him to finally like, cinch that victory it must feel so good because I know so many times for the big wins like if you're not traveling with your husband all the time like often you miss them and that's kind of disappointing it's like you want to be there to celebrate those so I love that you got to be there with him in that moment and see it firsthand and that's special those are really special moments you hang on to huh yes yeah we all got to be up there and it was awesome that's like one of the ones in the summer that we all get to go to and so i just really enjoy that one you did just kind of briefly when you said the the other time since you're biased you thought he should have won and this is something that i've never had to deal with as the wife of a timed event cowboy but i think about that all the time because like you said we are biased and what what luke does is like pretty cut and dry like if he's just not fast enough he's not fast enough but since your husband is in an event that is scored based on score for a horse and cowboy, there's a good amount of just the judge's opinion. How much does that get under your skin? Is it something you don't have to think about very often? Because I think all the time I'd oh. be like, oh, he was robbed. <laughs> all the time. All the time. I'm like, oh, I'm always like, Rusty, you should have won that. He's like, no, I shouldn't have. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so if I'm off base, he's always like, no, like... <laughs> this is what happened. So I feel like I actually have become a decent judge of a bronc ride. So, <laughs> but I always want him to win. So if it's like him or his brothers, I'm like, oh, you guys got screwed. But of they course. never, they don't. <laughs> He's like, no. I'm like, okay, well, I I'm love that. Bias. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to be. You're just doing your job. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that he has to be the voice of the reason, uh, the voice of reason in she those moments. Is. Like, yeah, no, I was definitely not. 100 points Morgan (laughs) yes he definitely is but there are a lot of talented bronc riders so 
Yeah. I was like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing so much of your life with us and your really amazing family and giving everybody a look into what it's really like to be a right. I think that's a really special and I'm grateful that you were here and did that for us. Well, thank you for having me. Well, that's another great episode under our belts and I'd love to hear what you thought. Share your favorite parts, something that really hit home or inspired you, or just share with others so they can know where to find us. It's the best way for you to cheer on these amazing people whose stories we've heard. So head on over to Instagram. Be sure to tag Companion Pass, myself, and today's guests with your greatest takeaway from this episode. Thanks for being a part of our rodeo family, and we'll catch you at the next one. Mm-hmm.